Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Woke Food Podcast. This is the first episode of POC News. Just a quick update of all the top stories from last week posted on my page on Facebook. All right, so the first story from last week, and probably one of the the biggest ones, was about this uh, salon owner from Las Vegas. And uh, her name is Nock Nguyen. And she was murdered by a 21-year-old piece of shit. So basically this girl, this 21-year-old girl, um, a 21-year-old woman named Crystal Whipple came in with a fraudulent card, all right, fully intended to not pay for her manicure. And after she was finished, it was 35 bucks. They swiped her card. It didn't work. So they uh, said, okay, let's try it again. Crystal said, okay, I'm going to go into my car. I have some money. I'll be able to pay for it. Let me just jump to my car real quick. She leaves the salon, gets into her car, and then the salon manager notices that, hey, this fucking asshole is starting her car and she's going to bounce. So as Crystal is backing up, Knock comes out. And she stands in front of the car. Crystal floors it and runs over Nocturne. Uh She was sent to the hospital um, and died in the hospital. And they're still looking for this Crystal person. Um, and the mom even recently released a statement uh, saying, you got to turn yourself in. You have to turn yourself in. Like you need to, you need to confess what you did. And I actually appreciate the, that the mom um, and the grandmother were, weren't, you know, uh, uh, trying to absolve her, their, their daughter's crime. These, they accepted it as is. And they said, you know, I hope you can ask for forgiveness. Um, But yeah, like they, they were saying, Hey, you know, Crystal, you need to turn yourself in. Um, and it's just, it's a, it's really unfortunate because I know that there are so many Asian businesses, small Asian businesses, and not even just Asian businesses. It's really a lot of businesses that are owned by people of color, um, small businesses that are targeted in this way. You know, there are a lot of places that get dined and dashed and, you know, places where people go and, you know, they get their laundry done or they go and, uh, uh, get a quick meal from the neighborhood uh, spot. And because these small businesses don't have this like massive infrastructure or where, you know, you can report this to HR and, and, you know, your, your head company will cover the cost of anything that have been lost. When you have a small business, you don't have that. You don't have all those departments. And so, you know, someone walking away with $35, it's, eats into your bottom line and so it impacts you a little bit more um and i just yeah i always hear stories about this i always hear stories about small these small businesses being taken care of uh, taken advantage of but they're still looking for this lady um but we will move on to the next story uh 
the other conversation that we were really uh, fired up about was this shit that happened in McDonald's. All right. Um, there was a man who was, I don't know, he was like fucking asking for a straw. He was at McDonald's. Well, he's like, what was he, like fucking 40-year-old dude? 40-year-old white dude. I guess the lady at McDonald's didn't give him a straw or didn't give him a straw fast enough. Um, and the manager, uh, Yasmin Barnes, is a young black woman, um, she was perfectly calm and the dude reached over the counter and grabbed her by the shirt. Like, and not even just a, like a, Hey, you know, like a stern kind of thing. Like you put your arm, your hand over someone's shoulder or whatever. Like he actually, you know, yanked her and thankfully she was quick enough to realize, Oh my God, this dude could be dangerous. I need to defend myself. And she was just landing these shots. Just, you know, boom, boom. It was like fucking Dragon Ball Z. She was really fast. <laughs> and um, she she got in like two two clean shots. Uh, and, and her coworkers were kind of just standing in the back. And like one dude, I, I could have sworn like he was smiling or some shit. But, you know, they... They very tenderly removed the man who was grabbing her. And I was just, I was thinking to myself, like, I mean, like, I I will give certain people the benefit of the doubt of like, okay, maybe you saw this going down and you kind of froze up and you didn't really know what to do, you know, because I'm, I get, if I'm, if I'm stretching myself to, to sympathize with the coworkers, I would maybe say that, okay, well, you know, this person, uh, like, you know, the, the, these, these employees might be afraid to lose their job and this might be their only job and, and whatever. Okay, fine. Fine. Right. But given the situation of this, like, visibly larger man just yanking your coworker, wouldn't you sort of uh think hey like this is this is like a physical threat now like this like someone could actually get hurt and i probably need to step in uh yasmin actually said quote it really scared me when he grabbed me i didn't know if he had a knife or a gun uh a knife a gun or anything uh quote he assaulted me but he also kicked another girl in the stomach on his way out he should have gotten more than a misdemeanor. To me, that won't teach him a lesson at all. Quote, I'm working here to start my life, start school, get a car, and to try to get a place of my own. Uh, trying to save up so I can start grown womanhood, you know? So it's just like... <sighs> she wasn't trying to, you know, instigate shit. She was just like, again, like... I'm I'm at work. I'm fucking at McDonald's. Just like leave me alone. Um, and the fact that she mentioned like she didn't know if he had a knife or a gun or something like that. I think you know the coworkers. Yeah, they should have stepped up. They should have stepped up. Uh, Janae uh, says her mother put her in boxing. She didn't lose her job, but she lowered up. Yeah. So there were a lot of specul. There was a lot of speculation about you know oh I think she lost her job, but uh, she didn't. 
thankfully thankfully she didn't but um they caught the guy they arrested him but it, it you know should have been more than misdemeanor uh Bluco Bentley says, all those dudes and none of them did anything. Risa Lace Mason says, they should have protected her first. Yeah, and like, at least if I were sort of in that situation, like, I would just pry that dude's arms off or just like, because it's like, in the video, um, Yasmin's coworker, like, he this this taller dude he tries to pull away the white dude right but he's like not really pulling him it's more of just like an ushering him as if like oh hey can you can oh can you scooch over can you like scooch over so you're not assaulting my coworker you know it's like yeah you you tried but no <laughs> like that no no like if a car was coming in and a baby was in the middle of the street you're not just gonna be like Hey, baby, you might want to move. Like, no, like, you got to fucking run and get the baby. <sighs> Anyways. Uh, moving on. Moving on, moving on. Uh, this story. Okay, fuck. I hate, I always hate talking about this subject in general, but fuck it. We always got to do it. Because it seems like white guys can't stop talking about the dicks of men of color. I don't know what it is, but like for reals, white dudes talk about Asian dicks, black dicks more than they talk about their own dicks, more than we talk about our own dicks. Like, honestly, like I've been writing about race and culture for years, fucking years. And I know white dudes have, who have talked more about Asian penises than I've ever talked about. So... Mr. Louis C.K., American comedian, the disgraced comedian who confessed to, you know, masturbating in front of women. And a lot of women came forward and said, hey, you know, I had these experiences with Louis C.K. Um, you know, he put me in a room and he pulled out his penis and started masturbating. And... For the most part, like, he had been banished for, a, what is it, like, a year, two years or something like that? Like, he got dragged quite a while ago, but he's still been in the news, and uh, he's sort of been sort of here and there, uh, but he he had a stand-up routine, and it was leaked, and he was making jokes about, like, the, par- like the, the Parkland uh, survivors. Like the kids who survived the Parkland um, shooting massacre, and a lot of people were like, "Oh my God, this is terrible!" Um, and then more audio leaked of him making these jokes about black people, Asian people, and he was going on in uh, about penises. And Louis C.K. says, "Quote: My life is over. I don't give a shit." You can. You can be offended. It's okay. You can get mad at me. Anyway, so why do black guys have big dicks? Let's talk about that for a minute. Quote. End quote. And like, just reading that, him opening up with, my life is over. I don't give a shit. You, you can be offended. It's okay. And I think 
that's it, it's incredibly revealing you know that when you feel like you've been so disgraced by society you're just going to be like okay fuck it i'm just going to double down on it and like i think what's really revealing to me is i admittedly i've watched a lot of louis ck's work i watched his shows i've watched all his stand-up specials um and i know that he, he for the longest time i identified as a very sort of open-minded liberal type of dude like his shows there would be little uh uh you know nuanced moments where uh his character or the characters would be talking about discrimination and you know you shouldn't treat people negatively blah blah blah, blah. so like he really has been in a sense trying to be this like white liberal figure like oh i get it i get i get what black people are going through kind of thing like he was the kind of guy who would speak out and call out white people and if white people were doing something ridiculous he would say something say something so again like him going in this direction in this like totally opposite opposite direction um like it's almost a i'm surprised but not too surprised um his quote continues this one, this is when it gets pretty bad, and he starts going off on Asian guys, and he goes, "quote You know why Asian guys have small dicks? Because they're women. They're not dudes. They're all women. All Asians, all Asians are women, and they have big clits, really big clits. And when they have sex, they just stick their clits in each other's pussies, and then they procreate using math." End quote. Like, I mean, if your audience is nine sure maybe if your audience is a bunch of nine-year-olds on xbox live who are racist sure i'm sure that that fucking joke would like kill it right but i tell people it's not that these jokes are unfunny because i don't have a sense of humor they're just unfunny because they're unfunny you know like i don't know what it is about white people and racial humor but it's just never funny. Like, it's just, it's just never funny. Like when I'm, when I'm interested in, if I'm interested in a a comedian who's talking about race, right? Like I want to hear comedians who give insightful drags about race. And that usually comes from other people of color. Oh gosh. Sorry. My mother-in-law. Yeah, she's uh, watching a scary movie and she's... Ugh. Anyways. Um, but yeah, it's like... Th- I think it's like they think it's funny because they have such a small understanding of race that when you say something like this, they have no context. They have no idea of what it means to be racialized. So they just hear it and they're just like, oh, that sounds ridiculous, but whatever. Like, oh, that's that's kind of funny. Like, I can imagine that, you know? Like, that's what their humor is like. But if you notice, like, a white people, like, white people humor, it's like, it's ridiculous. Like, like white people will still make jokes about fried chicken and watermelon, like, if they're trying to denigrate black people. And And I'm thinking to myself, like, who like again like who are you trying to humor because you're you're not trying to humor black people because black people aren't one that's fucking racist two 
again, no black person would think that's funny. And it's just like, it's lazy. It's old content. We've heard it a million times before. And it's just, um, it, it's another way I feel in particular, the whole, the whole dick joke thing. My personal theory is that white people like to talk about the penises of black men and Asian men in particular because it gives them a Goldilocks effect. Um, what they do is they position themselves as Goldilocks, as being like right in the middle. So they say, oh, well, you know, Asian guys, oh, well, they're too small. Oh, oh black guys, they're too big. Um, you know, uh, we, well, you know, we're, we're, we're just normal. We're, we're average. You know, and, and they play this middle ground, right? And it's just a way of talking shit about everybody so you can make yourself look good. Like, I don't know anybody else, any other community of people who is so obsessed with talking about the genitalia of another group other than white people. Like, seriously, I, I, I don't know any other community that continues to talk about that shit more than white people. Um, and the same can be said about, you know, the way that they talk about intelligence, you know, like when, when, when white people would talk about intelligence during the days of, you know, quote, race science and eugenics, uh, talking about how, oh, well, Asian people, they have these, you know, naturally, um, bigger brains and black people have these naturally smaller brains, um, and Caucasian brains, you know, we're somewhere in the middle, blah, 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 blah. And, Again, it's you, it's when, when they say that Asians have big brains, they're not saying that as a positive, all right? In the same way that these are talking about black men's penises, they're not saying that as a positive. Like if you're looking about the history of racism, their racial, their racial justification for talking about black men's penises was to equate them to being animals and to being subhuman and saying that, oh, you know, having sex with black men, it, you know, you, it, your, your organs will be destroyed or, um, you know, you'll have uh, uh, sexually transmitted diseases. Like just saying all matters of like trying to, to fear, to, to, to instill fear in you so you don't are you so you're not interested in black men or so you're not interested in asian men um and in the case of asian intelligence they say that to basically say okay well asians are smart at the expense of their physicality oh asians are really smart because genetic and again it's so ridiculous it's like they think that genetics is this thing where like there's a self-balancing mechanism where god is like oh i'm going to give you 50 skill points for intelligence but since you're so intelligent i'm going to dock off points for your physicality like that's not how it works but a lot of them think that way a lot of them think that way um and you know i think the whole bit that louis ck is doing is it really is just what happens to a lot of these white dudes when they get exposed. It's like once you're a racist and you get exposed and people see you for who you really are, the only people that you can really appeal to are other racist white people. So, um, yeah, fucking Louis C.K. He's a piece of shit. Um, Sean says, uh, or get an Asian woman because she will obey you. Yeah, so like there are these different stereotypes about 
um, how, how, um, you know, how dating different ethnicities will like, how, how it, how it differs relative to white people. Like, oh, you know, dating women, black women, they're, they're more aggressive, but it's like more aggressive than who? Oh, white people. Oh, Asian women. They're more, they're more docile, more docile than who? Oh, comparing to white women. It's always a com comparison to white people. Um, and it's just, it's frustrating when you see exactly what's going on, but then you also see people of color who buy into that shit. Like Asians are like, oh yeah, we are smart, you know, or when black people are like, again, it's one thing if you fit the stereotype, whether it's positive or negative, but to insinuate that that whole stereotype is true and to really like ride off of it. Like when black dudes talk about the whole penis stereotype, it's like, I kind of cringe to be honest, because on one hand, it's like, I get it, right? If you... If you are the black dude who's packing, cool, you know, like neat. But when you when you say that you believe that a stereotype is real, you are opening sort of the Pandora's box of stereotypes because they don't live in a in a bubble. Like you can't pick and choose stereotypes. You can't just be like, oh yeah, I believe in this one this one eugenicist stereotype, but I don't believe the other ones. It's like, th that's not how it works because that's not how it was created. Like, racial caste systems were created as a system, you know? So if you were talking about big Asian brains, then you were also having to accept the reality where black brains are smaller. Or, you know, it's like all that race shit uh, uh, comes packaged together. Sean said, Sean made a really good point said, saying that uh, everything is white by default in all forms of media. White is the standard. Yeah, and that's really how it works. You know, you have um, race discussed relative to whiteness. Um, and yeah, that's why it's important for us to constantly call this stuff out and make sure that like if we're talking about race, then let it be on our own terms. You know, I want us to talk about our own bodies instead of having to rely on whatever narrative white people have about our own bodies. Uh, Arisa said, my theory is they want to be able to maintain their superiority. They can't do that if everyone keeps mixing and there are no more whites left. And, and that's actually a very um, poignant uh, assessment about, about white supremacy because a big part of white supremacy is purity like racial purity you know like as you get f farther uh down the spectrum of white supremacy to like really really you know extremes that's when you get into you know like fucking nazis people who are like uh, uh, who 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 believe that the aryan race is superior and and i think that's the the most interesting tidbit about white supremacy that a lot of people forget they don't realize that let's say that white people get what they want let's say that white people get their ethno state let's say that white people successfully deport all people of color all black people all indigenous americans all asians all let's say that they push all of us out the funny thing is based off of the way white supremacy works, white supremacy, a big element to the system is a fear of the other. A fear of the other. 
It is a huge, huge cornerstone of white supremacy. So much so that if they ejected all people of color, all they would do is go down the line of um, last one in is the first one out. So once they remove all the people of color, then you're going to slowly start to see Italians get targeted. You're going to see um, the Irish. The Irish are, gonna, are, 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 are slowly going to start getting discriminated against. Like anybody who doesn't fit that model of purity. And that's why Trump is sort of in this really peculiar situation because it's like he's a rich white dude with his like blue eyes blonde hair it's like he really does fit this mold of this very 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 like the nucleus of what america wants to be um deborah lynn says all people of color um all poc is gone means they'd have to separate by class uh, somebody has to wash the dishes and clean the toilets <laughs> And that's true. Like, that's so fucking true. Because that really is what happens. Like, you can't have this capitalistic society where you have these wealthy CEOs and economic... Um, uh, 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 or you, you have a lot of uh, inequality, income inequality. And, you, you like, someone has to support these CEOs. So, like, who do you think is getting fucked over? Right now, it's a lot of people of color. And if they were to ever push us out, they would just make it worse for themselves. Like, I I just, I don't get the logistics of so much of white supremacy. Like, when you actually think about it, when you actually go into the economics and the actual, you know, um, uh, the technical, like, like the technicality of like, okay, let's let's actually deport people. Let's actually, you know, create this ethno state for white people cities would be fucking empty all these public services would be out of service again white people are just very ungrateful they don't realize how much we contribute and so they just think oh well you're not white so you don't belong here and i think it's just this insecurity of feeling like oh i don't have enough and i need more for myself so if there's less of you there's more of me Whew. All right, anyways, moving on to story number four. This one is a doozy. Now, this one had a lot of people sort of confused, a lot of people happy. Um, Andrew Zimmern, the host of Bizarre Foods, he was just fired he was fired let go Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. delicious really really delicious because one i don't give a fuck about andrew zimmer i never really liked him to be honest i've not like i would tolerate his shows because he would go travel and like he would see certain like i i enjoyed the scenes when he wasn't eating and talking about his opinions when he was just saying, oh, I'm in Thailand and, you know, here's a shot of the city. Like, I was like, okay, cool. I don't mind that. But every time he, like, was talking to people, it always annoyed the fuck out of me. Because every episode or so, he would always just come off as really smug and annoying and rude. Like, someone, you know, uh, 
Andrew Zimmerman would get invited to someone's home and they'd cook something and and he'd eat it and he'd be like, "Ew, what's that? That looks kind of weird. Mm, this is kind of slimy. Ooh, you eat this? You like this?" And I'm just not about that. I grew up learning that if you don't like something, especially if it's something that somebody else cooked for you, then you need to be grateful. Like you don't have to verbalize that like, oh, this fucking sucks. And like you trash it. Maybe you can say that, you know, off camera or maybe you can say that in your voiceover or whatever that you didn't really like it. But to just to, but to trash it like in front of the people who are actually selling it. The people who actually just cooked for you. I think that's fucked up. I think that's really, really fucking rude. And. Andrew Zimmerman does that a lot. Like there's a Philip, there's an episode in the Philippines where he goes and like, he's, um, what is it? He, he gets ice cream, right? From this ice cream vendor. And the ice cream vendor has like, um, different flavors, like, um, uh, purple yam, ube. He also has like a cheese flavor. And, and I guess in, from from that vendor, instead of putting the ice cream in a cone, he puts it in like this bandisal. So bandisal is like think of a dinner roll, um, but it's very soft. It's kind of sweet, um, and that's what the put the ice cream in. And hey, so it's not a cone, okay? And Andrew Zimmern's eating it, and he just like, eh, this is weird. This is weird. How could you eat this? You would eat this? And he just like hands off his half-eaten ice cream to somebody in the crowd as like ew you can take it and it's just it rubs me the wrong way like it really fucking rubs me the wrong way especially when you talk about andrew zimmern compared to hosts like anthony bourdain who was always pretty respectful at least on camera you know like i know that he's talked about things that have been nasty that he tried but he never says that to the person like, I remember I, I, I read, like, two or three of his books, and he said that, you know, if he doesn't like something, he'll just say in a very New Yorker way, um, it's not my favorite thing. It's not my favorite thing. You know, instead of trashing something to somebody's face, like, can you imagine that if you invite somebody to some to your house and, you know, they need a place to stay because they're like, hey, I'm in town real quick. Um, you mind if I sleep over? Sure. Because, again, like, that... People forget that when Andrew puts these people, when Andrew Zimmern puts these people on TV, like that, that could make or break you. If you think that Yelp has a big impact on the success of your business, just wait till you see what happens when like Anthony Bourdain goes to your to your to your restaurant, or or think about diners, drive-ins, and dives. Like, have you ever been to a restaurant that's been featured on diners drive-ins and dives like those restaurants are absolutely packed and it's the same thing and it's like again it's just it's frustrating it's really really frustrating but <sighs> the the universe has spoken and andrew zimmern was fired now he was fired mid-season which is like even better he was fired mid-season and his show that had been premiering on primetime was pushed back to the graveyard shift. And 
what essentially that means is like yeah andrew zimmern um his shows are still going to be playing but it's probably going to just be old episodes playing at nighttime so you know he's still gonna get paid uh but it's definitely going to be at a lower rate you know because advertisers uh in that graveyard zone they're just not high ticket items it's going to be like as seen on tv shit you know you're not going to get nike advertisements during that time slot so andrew zimmer is not going to be paid that much which is great because this whole thing now look a lot of people thought that his firing was unjust right and he was fired because he made comments about Chinese restaurants in the Midwest. And Andrew Zimmern said, quote, I think I'm saving the souls of all the people from having to dine at these horseshit restaurants masquerading as Chinese food that are in the Midwest. Now, some folks read that and they were like, oh, yeah, well, that's true. Like a lot of restaurants in the Midwest are shit. Like a lot of Chinese restaurants in the Midwest are really, really bad. So, like, you know, where's the lie? And it's not so much that it's a lie. Damn, Dyer's. It's not so much that it's a lie as much as it is an incomplete, very, very incomplete and very selfish explanation. So the reason why I say that, Andrew Zimmern is trying to launch a restaurant chain. Okay. Andrew Zimmern is trying to launch a Chinese-American restaurant chain called Lucky Cricket. And Lucky Cricket is supposed to be like, you know, a modern, hip, pan-Asian um, chain restaurant. And what he wants to do is... He sees all of the Chinese restaurants in the Midwest as, oh, like, these are failing businesses. We need, like, I can make a lot of money if I replaced those businesses with my business, with my chain restaurant. And he talks about at length, like, uh, how, oh, you know, I have a great model for the business, blah, blah, blah. Like, and from a business standpoint, like, okay, sure, like, I could see how investors might see this and go, oh, Andrew Zimmerman, he's a you know, is a recognizable figure, blah, 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 But, I mean, just the restaurant itself, I am not too much of a fan of. You know, it has a lot of, like, I'm not a fan of Asian fusion shit. I'm really not, you know? Um, and he has, like, show my burgers. And his his menu was actually devised by a Chinese dude. His name's Alex Ong, who's a consultant, who actually helped conceptualize other restaurant items for places like P.F. Chang's. And speaking of P.F. Chang's, um, Andrew Zimmern actually called out P.F. Chang's. Uh, and it was kind of like the way that he called out P.F. Chang's rubbed me the wrong way because... Um, he was basically talking about how P.F. Chang's is like Americanized shit and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, I, I totally agree. But he was coming after the cre- the owners of P.F. Chang, um, Cecilia Chang. Or sorry, uh, not Cecilia, uh, Philip Chang. 
So if you're unfamiliar, P.F. Chang's is owned by a Chinese family, the Chang's. But what you might not understand, or what you might not know, is that the parents of the owners of P.F. Chang's, the mother is Cecilia Chang. And Cecilia Chang opened up one of the very first Chinese-American restaurants in San Francisco called The Mandarin. And it was an iconic, iconic restaurant that really shaped um, Chinese-American cuisine, not just in the States, but in San Francisco. So it was a, you know, it, it's it's a cultural icon. It's It's almost like, talking about cat's deli you know like it's almost like talking about like an in and out like it's it, it really was a historical historical place and her kids they were the ones who started pf chang's and when he was called out for criticizing pf chang's Andrew Zimmerman says, quote, I mean was pf chang's not a ripoff because cecilia chang's kid owned it Basically saying that the kids of Cecilia Chang, the ones who started P.F. Chang's, they, you know, they ripped off their mom. Like, what? What? And then he goes and says, because despite how he looks on the outside, he, meaning Philip Chang, the restaurant owner of of, of P.F. Chang's, quote, uh, because despite how he looks on the outside, he's a rich American kid on the inside, right? And that irritates the shit out of me. It's like like the audacity, the fucking audacity. Um, Andrew's in his stay in his lane. But again, he just, he, he tries to start this this dialogue about culture and, and, and oh, like, how come white people can't do... Like, he, here's what he says. He goes, quote, and re- this is re- uh, referencing him building out this Chinese, this Asian-American chain, fast food chain shit. He goes, quote, does it need to happen? I think it does. I think it does. Someone else is going to do it. Someone else is going to be the next P.F. Chang's and I don't want him to blow it. And it is up to me to do it. Sorry. And is it up to me to do it? I don't know. Um, I certainly think I'm in the conversation, you know, and just because I'm not Chinese, I leave that to the rest of the world to judge. But if I can get people to open up their mind one degree, just spread those blinders one degree about something new to eat from another culture, I think we, the rising tide floats all boats. Plus, we have a t-shirt that says, quote, get lucky in Chinese on the back. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. That surely fucking sells me on it. I want to get a get lucky t-shirt. Jesus Christ, man. Like, ah, irritating irritating but we're glad that he's been fired um and that is it that is all for uh poc news that is all at least the top stories that happened last week uh but definitely go ahead and check them out yourself 
this is another episode of Woke Food Podcast. I will see you all next Monday. So hopefully a lot of interesting shit happens this week so we can go ahead and talk about it next week. All right, everybody. I love you, love you, love you. Take care.